We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform, the Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same, and love, love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant, Pastor Wali Tejumade. Get ready for a transformation. We've been taking a look at the teaching series titled, The Word Works. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. We've been taking a look at the teaching series titled, The Word Works. And we've been teaching us, you know, we brought several messages, you know, to us. Last week, Sunday, for example, my daughter in the gospel, Minister Peace, Omara Giva, you know, was still here to bring us the word. And she brought to us the message titled, you know, Meditation, the power of meditation. I should say very quickly, though, that the power of meditation that was taught last week, Sunday, you know, was meditation on the word. I can see here some pitching, okay? I know you're trying to fine-tune it was the meditation on the word, not the kind of meditation that yoga feeds you. And I know that some of you may not know, and some of you may not even believe, that yoga is not godly. Yes, I say it on the Lord's altar. Did you hear me? Did you hear me now? Yoga is ungodly. It's unchrist-like. Yes, the Lord asked me to tell you. It is what? It is unchrist-like. Okay? It is many, go, 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 go research what you do, all right? If you doubt what I'm saying, go dig into the genesis of yoga and, you know, you'll get better light as to what, I, what, what exactly I'm talking about. Actually, it's a religion. Okay, you don't know? It's a religion, okay? So the meditation we were taking you last week, you know, was meditation on God's word, not meditation on any other thing. You're not meditating on your soul. You're not meditating on whatever. You're meditating on God's word. Without further ado, this morning, my focus is actually very, very simple. I've brought you this message titled, Walking on the Word. Someone say, Walking on the Word. Come on, say it like a meaning, Walking on the Word. Walking on the Word. Walking on the Word. The writer, if that banner can be displayed, says, Understanding how to lay hold of God's word and cause it to deliver results in your life. Understanding, you know, how to make the word of God produce results in your life. That is, you know, my focus this morning. And um, this is going to be the last under this series, under this teaching. And as Christ leads next week Sunday, we'll proceed to the next. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. In that Bible passage that we read in, P in Matthew chapter number 14, 25 to 29, I want to believe without any out of doubt that it's not a passage of the Bible that is new to many of us. Many of you have read it in the past. You've, you know, heard about it. You perhaps even have heard sermons about it. You've heard so many things, you know, about that particular passage of the Bible. And what many of us summed that up to be was that Peter walked on, the, on, on water. We usually sum that up to be that Peter walked on the water. Take, for example, in verse number 25 of Matthew chapter number 14, Bible tells us, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Hallelujah. Verse number 27 says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Another version, KJV actually says, Jesus said to them, it is I am. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. 
It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Peter said, Lord, if truly, if that was you walking on that water, you too command me to come to being able to do that which you're doing. Bible tells us in verse number 29, so he said to Peter, that was Jesus, so Jesus said unto Peter, come. Someone say, come. Say, come. So Jesus said unto Peter, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, what happened to Peter? He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Peter then began to walk on the water to go to Jesus. But if you study like I just read that passage very well, you see that Peter just didn't, you know, dip his feet into the water. No, 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 he didn't do that. He wanted, number one, to be certain that it was Jesus. When he got that assurance, then he said to the Lord, if it is you, ask me to come. Another version says, bid me come. I actually like this version, David that says, command me to come. Jesus didn't say too many words to him. Jesus just said to him, after he had assured him, it is that Jesus said to him, come. And we saw in the word that Peter then began to walk on the water. People say that Peter walked on water. Is it true that Peter walked on water? Not exactly so. Peter didn't walk on water, church. Peter walked on the word. Peter worked, walked on Jesus' command. Peter walked on the word, come. It was on the strength of that word, come, that Peter walked. Because Jesus had spoken that word first, there was no way that word would not produce results. It was on the command or the instruction of the word come that Peter walked on. If you think Peter walked on water, when you get back home, soak your, get a pool or whatever, and then say, Peter walked on water, and I also want to walk the water and see if you'll be able to walk on water. In fact, don't let us even go too far. Right now, I mean, you have some thin ices somewhere, right? Go attempt to walk on some skating ring and some thin ice right now and see if you will sink or not. Peter didn't walk on water. Peter walked on the word. My message again this morning is titled, Walking on the Word. Peter sorted out certain things. It was on the strength of the things he had sorted out. He was certain it was Jesus. Then he bid him to come. And then he walked, began to walk on the strength of that. In fact, if you read further down, you would see that at some point, uh, Peter began to sink. He became afraid. He took his gaze off Jesus. And at that point, he began to sink. But that is not the focus of my teaching to you this morning. Listen, the word of the Lord, like you've been learning in the past how many weeks now, all through this month, has the capacity to producing and delivering results to anyone that will believe it. It has the capacity to believe in, I mean, to delivering results to anyone that will believe it. What does it mean to walk on the word? Like I'm saying, to walk on the word, I'm simply saying, let your life be ruled on God's word. Let the focus of your life, let it be based, predicated on what the word says, not what the world tells you. To walk on the word, I'm simply saying that you should make the word of the Lord the focus of your life. 
you check out, checkmate the standard of your life based on what the word of the Lord says. By saying that you should walk on the word, I'm simply telling you, have faith in the word. Have faith in the word. Jesus commanded Peter to come. And Peter began to walk on water because Peter held on to that word and made his gaze on Jesus. As long as Peter's gaze was on Jesus, Peter wasn't sinking. We only seek in life, sink in life, when we get, take our gaze or our gazes off Christ. You can take one word from the Lord. It could be a written word. It could be a spoken word. It could be prophecy declared over your life and you can choose to run your life by that same word. To walk on the word is to make the word of the Lord your standard for living. It is to make the word of the Lord your basis for life. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Hallelujah, glory to God. Hallelujah, glory to God. So right now, tonight, this morning rather, I do not know how many of you have an instruction from the Lord. Maybe you got it via spoken word. Maybe you got it via the written word. Whatever way you got that word, as long as it is from the Lord. I'm wondering if you're truly walking on that word. Or if you've parked that word, you know, to a side. And then chosen to begin to walk on your own. Maybe that would explain why sometimes things are not going the way you want them to go. Somebody had reached out to me some time ago and said to me, you know, that um, needed to be coached by me. So uh, my wife spoke to me about it and I, you know, told this person, you know, because, I mean, she's pretty dear to our family, even though she does not attend Lofty Heights. I said I was going to make the sacrifice I was out of my very busy schedule, I was going to make myself available. She only called me to schedule an appointment. And as I was trying to figure out my calendar compared with hers, such that we both can be on the same page, the Lord says that I should pray with her. The moment I began to pray with her, the Lord spoke to me very expressly. The Lord said, son, I've told her what she needs to do. The coaching she's seeking, she knows what to do. I've given her instructions already. So we ended the prayer. And I told her, I said, can I, would you allow me to share what the Lord is asking me to say? Would you allow me to share that with you? She said, yeah, that should go ahead. I said, the Lord told me to tell you that he had already spoken to you, he's given you a word. What have you done with it? Then she got pretty emotional on the phone. And she said, Actually, pastor, you are right. The Lord has spoken to me. Say, but what God is asking me to do, if I were to face that, I'm going to be deterred from this particular work. Is it not better for you to just face what the Lord is asking you to do? He knows better for your life and your destiny. Listen, listen. It's easier, better, beautiful to walk with the Lord if you have the capacity to hear in God's voice. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. It is easier, better, faster to walk with the Lord if you have the capacity to hear in God's voice. And when I say hearing God's voice, it does not have to be supernatural. It does not have to be humongous. It does not have to be so spectacular. There is no way huh, you flip the Bible open that you will not hear the voice of the Lord. 
To say God has never spoken to me, God does not speak to me. You know, people say they hear God's voice. I don't know how they hear God's voice. Is to say that you don't study your Bible. Because of all the ways that the Lord speaks to man, regardless of the way God speaks to you, maybe through the witness of the Spirit, express voice, audible voice, or, you know, the voice of angels, the voice of others, dreams and visions, you still have to checkmate everything and anything you hear against the written word. I'll tell you for a fact, one of the things that has brought me to this level in life or that has given me speed as a believer in life, it's my capacity to hear in God. And it's as simple as just knowing that the Lord is speaking to me, wanting me to do something, and then just following it through. Listen, I made a resolution many, many years ago. I'd rather follow the Lord and not shine than shine alone without Christ. I'd rather follow him and not shine than shine alone without him. Peter didn't walk on water. Peter walked on the word. You can walk also on God's word. Did you know also that for whatever situation of life you're contending with right now, did you know there is a word for that situation? Many believers are lazy. You only need to be studious. Sit down. Flip through your Bible. And in this, um, what do you call it? This jet age, this technology age, it's even easier for you. You only need to Google you have migraine headache. You are suffering from one affliction or another. You can barely sleep well at night. Google scriptures or Bible verses to counter or to war against inability to sleep. Get those words. And like you learned last week Wednesday, that gets them injected into your soul. I was teaching on Wednesday during Rooted Richard, our midweek service. And I was telling, teaching them about the part two on the part two of, um, of the doctrine of righteousness. If you miss that teaching, you need to head back to YouTube, you know, to go watch. And I was explaining why and how you feel torment of the devil. You carry your Bible, hard copy Bible. You will use it as a pillow such that the devil will run away from you. But unfortunately, it is in such nights that you get afflicted the most. Do you know why? It is because without the spirit of the Lord, this is news and boom, this is newspaper. And because the devil knows that that word is not injected in your spirit. It is not in your spirit. You may be able to quote Genesis to Revelation, yet your life is not living the fruit or the result of the word. And many times for what you are contending with, you don't need too many words. Look at this facility. Those of you who are in the ark, for example. This facility in which you are seated. 2 Samuel chapter number 7, 9 to 11. Delivered this facility. 2 Samuel chapter number 7, 9 to 11. Delivered this. I will appoint a place for my people Israel. A place of death where they will not have to move again. Where the sons and daughters of the wicked will no longer have to afflict them. At that point, I was being afflicted by the manager of the hotel we were in. I'm simply saying to you that if you can find it in the word, stick to it. The word works. The word does what? The word works. Let's see very quickly. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. 
And I think I should read that from verse number, maybe from 15. My emphasis is going to be on verse number 18. Second Corinthians. Protocol, please come and um, adjust this for me. Please come. I want to make an analogy to you all this moment. This is something that will transform and change your life forever. Um, I think you should place it here. No, make it this way. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. That's good. Yeah, thank you. <coughs> Second Corinthians, chapter number three. Are we all there? Glory to God. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say hallelujah. Yeah, I knew. I get an hallelujah all the time. Let me read from verse number 12. I'm going to rush it. Let me read from verse number 12. 2 Corinthians number 3 from verse number 12. It says, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. As a matter of fact, I still thought on this on Wednesday. Since we have great boldness of speech, it says, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Verse 14. But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remained unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. If you have your hard copy Bible, I want you to underline that. The veil was taken away in Christ. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. The veil was taken away in Christ. Verse number 15. But events to this day, when Moses is read, but even to this day rather, when Moses is read, a veil lies on the heart. Verse 16. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, what happens? The veil is taken away. I thought someone would say hallelujah there. When, so, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Verse number 17. Now, the Lord is a spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Take a look at verse number 18, which is my emphasis this morning. Verse number 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, what's happening to us, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Let's see that in Amplified Classic Version. Glory to God. I just want you to see that in Amplified Classic. It says, now, if I, if I, let, let, let's all us read together. One, two, three, go, everybody. And all of us, as we unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in the mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image, in ever-increasing splendor, and from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, take a look at this. Media, please follow me. This, check these tools, represents the veil that Moses had. Exodus chapter number 33, Exodus chapter number 34 tells us about this. Bible says that Moses went to meet with the Lord, he couldn't see the Lord's face because the Lord said to him, no one sees my face will be able to live. So God said to him, I'm going to turn my back and you will see the passing glory. If, again, go back to Rooted. If you missed teaching last week, Wednesday, go watch it, all right? To get better understanding of this. He was so much such that 
when Moses stepped out of the Lord's presence and he needed to speak to the children of Israel, the glory upon his face, Exodus number 3, 34, you know, was so strong such that the people could not behold Moses' face. They were terrified. They were what? They were terrified. Please, can you leave that um, Bible passage on the screen for me? They were terrified. So this is the glory of the Lord. And according to the word of the Lord, we see in Amplified Classic that says that, continue to behold in the word of God. In other words, the glory of the Lord is revealed in the word of the Lord. So this is both the word of God and the glory of the Lord. And this is the veil. So when you want to, when you dress up in the morning, take for example, this is a full length mirror. What happens to you is that when you stand in front of the mirror, you can see me making adjustment right now, right? This is part of the things that the mirror does, isn't it? You take a look at yourself in the mirror, you'll see every part of your body, outer part of your body. You'll see your eyes, you see your head, if it is big or small, you see your nose, if it's as massive as mine, you see your, you see whatever, you know, you see yourself the way you are. Now, when you have the veil on you, you are not able to see anything. I'm blinded. I can't see anything. I don't know what I look like anymore. Nobody, people see me, but I cannot see myself. Yet, this is the glory of the Lord that should tell me what I'm like, but I cannot see myself. But the word of the Lord says, according to that 2 Corinthians number 3 from verse number 15, it says, it is in Christ that the veil is taken away. So when I accepted the, glo- the, the lordship of Jesus, what happens? The veil was taken off me. So after the veil was taken off me, I can then stand in front of the mirror and then I'm able to see myself. It didn't stop at that. When you take a look at your mirror, what happens to you is such that you project yourself into the mirror. Then the mirror tells you what you are like. But the word of the Lord is saying, go back please. He says, please go back and stay on 2 Corinthians 3, 18 for me. Don't leave it. He says, and all of us, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. When you take a look at your mirror by default, what happens is that you project yourself into the mirror. If you do like this, the mirror will show you you are bent. If you sit, the mirror will project that you are sitting. If you are standing, the mirror will show. If you do like this, the mirror will show. But with the Lord, that's not what happens. We are no longer those kind of people, Nakor Shanamande, alright, that project ourselves into the mirror. We allow the mirror, which is the glory and the word of the Lord, to tell us exactly what we are like. Are you catching it this morning? So I stand in front of the mirror. I'm not taking a look at me. I'm taking a look at the mirror to tell me exactly what I should be like. I'm taking a look at the mirror to tell me what my life is about and how I should live, how I should be. He says, and all of us, we from face because we continue to behold. NKJV says, behold. So this is not something that I behold once. And then I leave. I turn away. I don't behold again. What the word of the Lord was saying in there is, it's a continuous tense. If you study it in KJV, it says, behold. I love this Amplified Classic version. It says, continue to behold. So what we do is that, 
we stay fixated on the glory and on the word. The more we stay put, what then happens to us? Take a look at your screen. As we continue to behold in the word of God, as in the mirror of the glory of the Lord, then the more we stay put in front of the glory, we are being transfigured into what? His very own image, not our image again. Are you with me this morning? Not our image. I'm no longer projecting myself into the mirror. I'm allowing the mirror, which is the glory and the word of the Lord, to do the projections into me. So it doesn't matter what I look like physically. It is what the word, what the glory says, I look like that I believe. So I take a look at the word. I take a look at the glory. And it says you are justified. I believe it, I'm justified. I no longer take a look at the mirror and then begin to see a condemned me. Many of you have been named with names that are not yours. So many of those names have, you know, sunk in your subconscious and in your memory such that you believed it. You know, when life travels for too long, it begins to sound as a truth. The ones who have told you you are not good enough, the ones who have told you you can never amount to anything, the, 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 the sound of those voices ring more in your head than what much more what the word of the Lord says. But for me, this is what I do. So when I come here, I don't see the me who was an alcoholic. Because the glory of the Lord cannot project that into me. I don't see the me who was told will never amount to nothing. I don't see the me who was told that whatever thing I lay my hands upon can never prosper. I don't see the me with migraine, with sicknesses and diseases. I don't see that. What I begin to see, the more I stay fixated on the word, on the glory of the Lord, I begin to be confirmed to the very own image, his own very own image, his own very glory. Because at that point is when I can then boldly say that as he is, as Christ is, so am I in this world. So I do not leave the glory. I do not leave the word. I do not leave the mirror. I am constantly looking into it. I'm constantly looking at it. And the more I look at it, the more the word begins to perfect my life, walk in my life, from the strand of my head to the sole of my feet. It will begin that work first by changing the way I reason, the state of my heart, the state of my mind. Because when the mind of a man is renewed, then God can easily walk and work through with that man. So I take a look at this. And I begin to see I'm complete. I'm whole. I'm justified. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There is no iniquity in me. There is no shame in me. I'm who God says that I am. That is what I begin to see. And that is what comes to my life. Bible tells us in John chapter number 17, verse number 17. Jesus speaking says, Father, sanctify them by thy truth. Because thy word is truth. So the more I stay on the word of the Lord, the more the word does the work of cleansing in my life. The word begins to cleanse me from every form of unrighteousness, begins to evict every form of filthiness in me, especially when I then choose to give myself to the same word and allow it to also, you know, perfect the same work in me. Every time from now, whenever you take a look at yourself in the mirror, remember, the word of the Lord is your mirror for life. The word tells you what you should be like. The word tells you what your life should be like. The word of the Lord is the believer's mirror. Many of you, you've looked into other humans so long. So much such that 
the standard of your life is no longer God's word. You have entered into the rat race. You know, they just bought that car. That family just bought the car. You know, let us all go and buy our own car. You know, they just bought that house. Let us just go and do. You know, now everybody is doing makeup or makeup in. You know, everybody is doing makeup. Now, I want to do makeup business. People no longer have direction. People no longer are led by the word of the Lord. Because now the head is what is leading, leading them. But the more you stay fixated on the word. Did you know that all those troubles, all those trials you used to see, do you know you'll see them less? Because the Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, I see it again in the word. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, from verse number 17. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. It says, and this temporal, um, uh, it says, um, um, this temporal, um, uh, for our light affliction, this is which is bad for a moment. Which is bad for a moment. So when I stand in front of the word and I begin to take a look at the word, the word tells me that scripture. So I can take that scripture, I can take it, internalize it, meditate on it, and make it mine to knowing that whatever thing I'm passing through right now, it is not forever. But imagine for a second, I didn't take a look at the mirror. I didn't take a look at the word. I didn't take a look at the glory. The devil will bring that challenge and just say, oh, I'm finished too. I'm the only one that nothing works for. Everyone, whatever thing they do, they prosper. I'm the only one that does not prosper. You begin to send in application. You've not heard from, the, your, from your employer. They've not said anything to you. As you're sending in the application, the devil begins to say to you, you know, you're just wasting your time. You know, they were never going to, going to call you back. You've taken those devilish, satanic, those, you know, those terrible words, the, 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 the voices of those words are way louder than what the word says. But I looked into the, into the word of the Lord. And again, I saw 2 Corinthians 4 from verse number 17. It says, and all of us, no, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 rather. 4, 4, 17, please, you can display that now. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. It says, bad for our light afflictions. Bad for our light afflictions, which is only bad for a moment. Walking in us far way more exceeding weight of eternal glory. He says, while we look at the things that are not seen. He says, but the things, we would all look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. He says, because for the things that are seen, those things are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. So I take that word, because the word of the Lord has told me about this, I'll take it. Then I can rejoice in my affliction. And I can say, Lord, thank you. Because it's not going to end in shame for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I do not have enough right now. But I believe, Lord Almighty, according to your word, that I have much more than enough. You begin to project the word. Allow the word to project its reality into your life. This is how a believer can begin to walk on the word. You believe what the word says. You take it hook, line, and sinker. God said it. I believe it, that settles it, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed, we are being changed from one level of glory unto another. Just ask about the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah, glory to God. When you flip the Bible open, when you see the Word of the Lord, do you see your situation in there? Or do you think that it's just a flick 
it's just some piece of whatever, you know, gathered together for you. No. The problem, again, with many people is that many believers is that you don't stay long enough in the front of the mirror anymore. You take a look at and then you turn. Even Bible tells us concerning Jesus. Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross, despising the shame. Listen, the trials, the tribulations, the things that are not working in your life right now. Maybe you desire to be maritally settled. Maybe you desire to have children of your own. Maybe you desire to have a change of job. Maybe you are indebted and you desire your debt to pay to be paid. See, the Lord didn't promise that you won't have any of all those things. The assurance that you have is that as you project, as you let the word project itself into you, you know what happens to you? You begin, you begin to become what the word says. You do what? You begin to become what the word says. I saw many years ago, Isaiah chapter number 50, verse number 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I may know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He speaks to me like the boy, to hear like the learned. Hey! I could not believe it. As a speaker, that became my meditation. So I stand on God's word, for example. And I begin to look, and I then begin to see that. I know that each time my mouth is open, there is a word in my mouth for someone under the sound of my voice. What have you seen in God's word? This time around in Christ Jesus, it is not a select few. Huh? It is not a select few that would have it in such a manner that the, the, the veil will be taken away. Huh? In Christ Jesus now, it is every one of us. Every one of us that believe, uh, as long as we believe, sir, uh, the veil is taken off. Meaning that we can stand before the glory. And we can take a look at it. And the more we take a look at it, the more we see Christ. The more we are being confirmed, being transformed, being transfigured from one level of glory onto another. Child of God, pay attention to this this morning very carefully. Play with everything concerning your Christian faith. Never play with God's word. Never play with God's word. Like I told you earlier on, there is no situation you're going through right now that there is no applicable word. I read Matthew chapter number 8, chapter number 8, 16 to 17, unto you yesterday. I mean, last week Sunday. Matthew chapter number 8, verses 16 to 17. Bible says, Jesus saw all, the cast out all the demons, all the spirit, foul spirit. It says with the word. Verse number 17 then says, because he himself shook our infirmities and bore our weaknesses. Jesus went further, I mean, the Bible went further on to quote Isaiah 53 verse number 4 to you. To let you know that what Jesus was doing was actually quoting the prophet Isaiah. Have you seen that? Have you gleaned on that long enough? Have you stayed on that long enough concerning that situation? Till the word begins to become spirit to you, it becomes flesh unto you. Have you? All of us with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Each and every one of us is being changed. As long as we are beholding, that's why the Bible tells you, Proverbs number 4 from verse number 18. It says, The path of the just man is like a shining light. That shines brighter and brighter until the dawning of a new day. You know why that can be so for the righteous? Because the righteous is consistently beholding. He doesn't show up in church today and not show up in the next three weeks. 
You don't come to church yet. You don't flip your Bible open. You don't listen to sermons. You cannot behold what you're not looking at. To become it, you've got to behold it. What you behold is what you become. What you behold is what you become. If you behold shame enough, you become shame. If you behold lack enough, you become lack. Everything around you will just be springing lack. Did you know, take a look at this for example. As a, what do you call it now? As um, um, someone who has license or certificate in um, human psychology, I can tell you this. When you wake up in the morning and you choose to be messy about your day in that morning, it is very possible that the rest of that day will be a mess for you. In human psychology, in emotional intelligence, I teach, like I was taught, that it takes double. It's easier. Huh? It is easier for you, for man, to exercise negative energy than positive energy. Your parasympathetic nervous system, it is twice stronger than your parasympathetic nervous system. It takes twice of effort. To snap out, you'd have to, to snap out of a terrible state, a depressed state, you'd have to be twice as happy. Do you understand what I'm saying now? If the devil strikes you with one dose of sadness, you need two doses of joy to come out. That's what I'm teaching you. If the devil strikes you with one dose of anger, uh, you need two doses of joy to snap out. It is not one joy, one anger, they are not equal. That's why you see some people perpetually they are in a terrible state. Because they've not learned how to snap out. But we all beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. The more we behold it, the more we become it. See after me, the more I behold the word, the more I become the word. The more I behold the word, the more I become the word. You should, your life should be such that you hear anything about God's word. That there is a joy in your spirit. I was teaching this on Monday during our, you know, Lofty Art Academy, the new membership school curriculum that we are running. We all with unveiled face. So nothing stops me right now from being able to behold the glory. If you want to understand that scripture better, you go again to Hebrews chapter number 12. That glory was a frightening one. Was a terror, you know, a, a one that was very terrifying. None of them could see what Moses could see. And sadly, like I taught on Wednesday too, it was a passing glory, a glory that will never stay. Because God turned his back and said, take a look at it. See, you'll see it pass by. And that was what made him to glow. Paul then speaking in this second Corinthians says, if that glory of condemnation of death is that serious, how much more the glory made by the Spirit? An average believer do not know what they carry. Do not know what they have. That's why the devil messes up with you. That's why today you wake up, you are fine. Tomorrow you wake up, you are not fine. Something is wrong somewhere. We are not led. We are not ruled by the world. No, 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 no. It is the word of the Lord that rules us. Not our society, not our environment. Not our society, not our environment. Again, 2 Corinthians number 4, from verse number 17. But for our light afflictions, the Bible says it is light, not deep. 
What you are considering deep is nothing. Listen, listen, pay attention to this child of God. There is nothing you're going through right now. It doesn't matter how terrible it is that you'll be the first to ever go through it. Were there no situations you went through in the past that you wanted to kill yourself over that God brought you through? Some of you under the sound of my voice, now you are gra- you're a graduate. There was a time you were praying for admission. You gained admission, then you began to pray to succeed academically. Certain courses you even failed, and you'll be thinking, will I ever graduate out of school? Now you graduated. Now you have jobs. Now you are married. Then, you, then the devil causes you to begin to ask yourself, will I ever have a child of my own? Is the same God of the admission? Same God in the school? Is it not the same God who will give you the baby? Come on, celebrate Jesus in this house. <laughs> same God. If he did it before, he will do it again. The one that beats me the most is when I see immigrants, people like me, who just got into this country, all right? And they then begin to feel that because they've been looking for a job for a month, two months, three months, or whatever, that their life is a mess. That they regret ever coming here. That one really, really beats me. It was the same you that was running from pillar to post in your home country. You wake up in the middle of the night for a vigil. Lord, this time, this thing. You take your passport, your international passport. You take it everywhere. Yet, you landed in the same country. And you think that the same God who made that possible for you is not able to settle you in your new land? Come on out. Come on out. Come on out. Come on out. We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We begin to look into it. So when things are not going the way they should go, I remember what the word says. And I stay by it. Then I let that word project itself into me. Again, like I told you earlier on, when you stand in front of your own mirror at home, you push yourself into the mirror to tell you what you are like. But in Christ, no. You let the word, the glory, tells you who you are. That's what you do. In wrapping up my teaching this morning because of want of time, we still have a baby dedication to do. I want to, I want to share with you, you know, three things on how you can walk on the word. You all know that it's my foundation that usually takes so, take, take so long, right? The main message doesn't take so long. So the foundation is already laid, hallelujah. So number one, how to walk on this word. Believe it. Never doubt, second guess it. If the mirror tells you that is what it is, take it. If the mirror says that is it, take it. I told you, 2 Samuel 7, 9 to 11 brought this forth. You are single, you're under the sound of my voice. You're of a marriageable age, yet no one is, you know, looking at you. No one is coming your way. Have you seen in the mirror that inserts the solitary in families? You are not taking it in because you've not beheld it. Again, what you behold is what you become. You cannot become that which you are not beholding. Have you seen it in the mirror in the word of the Lord? Have you seen it that God sets the solitary in families? Have you seen it? You are sick in your body. Have you seen that he himself, he didn't send any other person. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Have you seen that? 
Have you seen that? You are lacking financially. Have you seen in the mirror that for your own sake, just because of you, it became poor? That you, through his poverty, you may be rich. It was not any form of poverty he was talking about or rich of any form. He was talking about material acquisition. I teach in this church. Your poverty, your lack does not impress God. That's why you need to do the things that you need to do. You work, God has blessed you. Time. Give offering. So see, be generous unto others. As you give us, that's how you get. Have you seen it in God's word? Have you, what are you beholding? Let's even start with that. What are you beholding? Are you beholding the voice of the one who says you can never amount to anything? Some of you, even your partners, start to say, right? Your partners, they've spoken terrible things at you, that you've taken them in so much than what the word of the Lord says. Walking on the word. So number one, how to believe the word. Say after me, believe the word. Believe the word. That's why I like this song that says, I am, I am what God says I am. I can see myself through the mirror of his word. Nothing, nothing can hold me down. I love the me that I see through his eyes. I, I am what God says I am. I can see myself through the mirror of his word. Nothing, nothing can hold me down. I love the me that I see through his eyes. Hallelujah, glory to God. Believe it. Don't believe those negative voices. Some of you are married. The Lord asked me to rebuke every spirit of separation and divorce. And so in the name of Jesus, I declare them rebuked in this moment. That voice that speaks to you that you will not stay long in your husband's house or you and your wife, you know, you will not stay long. Your wife will leave you or your wife will divorce you. I rebuke it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Two are better than one. That's what the word of the Lord says. Number two, how to walk on the word. Obey it. Partial obedience is no obedience. Do what? Obey it. By saying obey it, I'm simply act on what the word says. Let me give you this scripture and then I'll bring it to an end. Obey it. James chapter number 1, 21 to 25. I want you to pay attention to this. Give me message translation because of want of time. James chapter number 1, verses 21 to 25. I want to show you yet again why what you beheld or what you are beholding in the mirror, I want to show you through the same word, through the same mirror, why it is not delivering results for you. Listen, God is not a magician. He does not do abracadabra. God is a miracle worker. Give me that James chapter number 1. 21 to 25 message translation. Pay attention to this. 21 to 25, right? Is it up to 25? It should be up to 25. Yes. Thank you. He says, post these are the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears. Follow up with your tongue. 
and let anger struggle along in the rear. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. Did you see that? God's righteousness does not grow from human anger. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. Are you with me this morning? He says, in simple humility, let our gardener, God, let him landscape you with the word. Okay, this is too deep. Give me NKJV. Let me let you understand it in NKJV, then I come to this. Give me NKJV. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Can you see one of the things the word of God can do? Has the capacity to save your souls. Give me the next verse. It says, baby, doers of the word are not hearers only deceiving yourselves. You come to church, you hear the word the way you are hearing it right now. You do nothing with it. You are the one James is talking about. Look at the next verse. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. Again, the mirror. You take a look at yourself in the mirror. Give me the next verse. He says, for he observes himself, himself goes away, and forgets what kind of man he was. You took a look at yourself in the mirror. You can see yourself. But because you're not doing what the word says you're doing, you forget what you're like. Meaning that, beholding the mirror as beautiful as it is, it's still not sufficient. The word ministers and bears results, produces results in our lives when we begin to act on what the word says. Many of you truly behold it. You perhaps are not becoming because you're not acting it. So you come to church on Sundays the way you have come. You have heard it. You have beheld it. But you fail to put it into practice. James says that anyone who hears the word but fails to do what the word says is like a man that took a look at himself in the mirror, sees what he looks like, walks away, and forgets what he looks like. Give me the next verse. He says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, what's the perfect law of liberty? This is it yet again. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, can you see it again? And continues in it. The perfect law of liberty is not what you look at when you feel like looking at and continues in it, what happened? He says, and is not a forgetful hearer. Can you see? You all are too quiet on me. What's going on? Can you, can you take, in fact, please read what is on the screen. Everybody wants you to read your Can you see that? Can you see that? Can you see that? Can you see that? The one who looks into the perfect law of liberty continues to look into the perfect law of liberty, does what the perfect law of liberty says, obeys what the law of perfect law, law of liberty says. This is the one that will be blessed in whatever it does. Now, give me message translation. There is something I want to show you there. Because for many of you, you've not gotten to that level of beholding yet. He says, 
No, move on. Give me the next one. He says, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you are anything but letting the word go in one ear and out of the other. Act on what you hear. He says, those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later, have no idea who they are or what they look like. Can you see? Please move on. But whoever, can you see that on your screen? But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, you know what it means to catch a glimpse? Not that you're even, you're just, you're like doing peekaboo. Don't forget that this is the word of the Lord. You just want to. Just religion. Whoever catches a glimpse, can you see? Ah, that glimpse that you caught, that glimpse that you caught, not your full self, right? Just a glimpse. That glimpse that you caught, but whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, that is the free life, even out of the corner of his eyes, you did not open your eyes. I just want to see just a little, just a little. He says, and then sticks with it. He's no distracted, scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. What happens? That person will find the light and affirmation in the action. Some of you need to begin to pick a bull with the word. You know pick a bull, right? If you don't, go to ages zero to two. Some of you need to begin to pick a bull with the word. The ones who take a look at the word catches a glimpse through the corner of his eyes. You're not looking with the full eye. He's simply saying that. Just something to lay hold on to in God's word is enough for you. Then you stick with it. He says, this one will be blessed. Believers have a problem with sticking with the word. And that's point number three. How to work on the word. Stick with it. Listen, don't change your confessions. Let the voice of your confession, the voice of the word, and let it be louder than the voice of the adversaries in your head. Don't change your confessions. Don't change your confessions. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 23. Easy version. I'm not sure they have that version, so I will read that out to you. Hebrews chapter number 10. Verse 23, and then I'll bring the service to a close. Hebrews 10, 23, easy version. Listen to what it says. Hebrews 10, 23. It says, we know that we can trust God to do the things that he has promised. So we must continue to expect those things. We must tell all the people that we trust God. We should not stop doing that. NKJV says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. He says, because faithful is he that has promised. After you have beheld the word, child of God, kingdom influences, lofty heights, learn to stick with the word. Stick with the word. In Matthew chapter number 14 from 19 to 23, we saw it. Peter began to sink 
when they no longer stuck to the word. He says, don't, let me read it to you again, easy version. He says, we know that we can trust God to do the things that he has promised. So we must, um, media please, I want you guys to, this easy version, use it as your Bible verse for the week and let it be produced today. And please display on all our social media platforms. He says, we know that we can trust God to do the things that he has promised. So we must continue to expect those things. He says, we must tell other people that we trust God. We should not stop doing that. Rise up on your feet this morning. Believe the word. Obey the word. Stick with the word. Reverend Chris Oyakilome will say, if you stick with the word long enough, you will come back with a testimony. It's not a cliche. Stick with the word. You are sick in your body. You are dying. You can see that you are dying physically. Stick with the word. There is no money in your pocket. Stick with that that the word of the Lord has projected into your life. Stick with it. I need you to open up your mouth and pray this afternoon. Father, give me grace to believe your word. Give me grace to obey your word. Give me grace to speak, to stick with the word. It can be tough. It can be challenging. Some of you are saying, Pastor, you don't know exactly what you are talking about. You know how long I've been confessing that word? You keep confessing that word until your eyes begin to behold the things that your mouth is saying. You keep confessing it till your eyes begin to behold the things that your mouth is saying. Until you see it, you don't stop. Someone is asking me for how long would I continue to say it for? Keep saying it till you breathe your last. You are single, you want to be married, begin to confess it. Seek with it. The Lord sets the solitary in family. I am maritally settled. I meet the right man or I meet the right woman. You are trusting God for the fruit of the womb. Lay your hands on your tummy at, your, at will anytime and begin to declare, I am not barren. Because the Bible says that many are the children of the desolate than the, than the, than the married woman. And you begin to confess it. Stick with the word. Father, I receive the grace to stick with your word. I receive the grace to speak with your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. A lofty height, we don't like bringing our services to a close without giving someone an opportunity to have a relationship on the, with the Lord. Listen, the word, as you've heard from today's teaching, except you accept the Lordship of Jesus, it doesn't matter how long you stare at the word, you are like this. You can't see nada. It's not my word. It's because the word of the Lord says it is in Christ that the veil is what? Taken away. When we accept the Lordship of Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord comes into our life. It is the Spirit that capacitates the word to minister life to you. Listen, some of you under the sound of my voice this morning, you're young. And you may be drifting away by the affairs of the world. My life was once like yours. I've shared it before. I do not glory in it. 
but I shared to testify to the Lord's goodness. I was a very strong alcoholic. I don't take spirit, I used to take beer. I'm not going to promote the name of the brand on the Lord's altar. That was many years ago before I met my wife and before I even got married. But you see, Bible says, that's 2 Corinthians number 3. He says, put away all, James rather, James chapter number 1. He says, put away all filthiness. Did you hear it? Man grows at the point you ask yourself a critical question. This nonsense I'm doing in my life, how long do I want to continue for? And the truth is that Jesus is currently knocking at the door. You're watching online, you're in Calgary, you're in your home, you're in the sanctuary. If you would open up your heart, he's willing to come in. He will change your life. Should I assure you? Your life even may end up being more colorful than mine. Some of you see me as a role model. Many years ago, nobody would have thought about me to be a role model. Listen, the name bastard stuck in my head because that was the way I was being described. It was in the word that I saw that I've been redeemed, have been justified, have been made righteous. I've shared it many times without shame. This is my biological mother here in the Lord's house this morning. I'm my only biological son for my father. My eyes saw Shege. Amen? Mr. Tammy says Shege. Hallelujah. Who has the gift of interpretation of tongues around there to interpret? <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. But look at My life is a proof of what God can make do with a life that is willing to yield. You are married. You are single. You are under the sound of my voice. You are still frolicking in sin. There is even no conviction in your heart. You need to take away the filthiness. Get me that scripture, please. James chapter number one. Get it for me. You need to take away the filthiness. Take it away totally. James 21. James 1, 21. Take away the filthiness. They take in this engrafted world. Take a look at the screen. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, that's humility, the implanted word which is able to save your soul. I'm saying all of all these things to say one thing. All eyes closed, all eyes bowed. Someone under the sound of my voice wants to say, Peter, do you know the truth? That life of yours that you described was my, is my current life, but I'm tired. I need Jesus and I want to be free. I want to be able to sleep well at night. I want to be able to serve the Lord without guilt. All eyes closed, all eyes bowed. Please, without shame, just lift up your hand above your head. I just need to see you without shame. Without shame. Without shame this morning, without shame. If you're that person, without shame this morning, just lift up your hand above your head. If you're watching online, I need you to do the same thing. If you're in Calgary, I need you to do the same thing. <coughs> and just say after me this moment, Dear Father, I thank you for leading me to your house this morning. I repent of my sin. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Please save me. Make me yours forever. Keep me in your warm embrace. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord. Come into my heart. Make it your home. Give me powers over the flesh that I may live my life for you. Make my life beautiful. Make it colorful. Take away the veil stopping me from seeing your glory that I may become free. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've just said that prayer, I want to celebrate you this morning. We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. 
Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.